welcome to the Gazette Fact Checker Podcast. We've uh, we've been off for a few weeks. I, I confess, the fact checker's been lazy, he's been sitting on the beach, soaking up the sun, but now the fact checker's back, and we are here to check some facts for you, our listeners. Um, I'm Erin Jordan. I'm the Gazette's investigative reporter. I'm Michaela Ram. I cover healthcare for the Gazette. I'm John Steppy. I cover business for the Gazette. I'm Marissa Payne. I'm the Cedar Rapids reporter. Today, we've got um, a claim um, about COVID-19. Big surprise. Um, you know, this is uh, obviously we're still in the, the, the pandemic to some degree. And with the start of school coming up, there are questions, uh, renewed questions about whether children transmit the virus that causes COVID-19. Um, so the claims that we're checking today are two related claims from U.S. Representative Marionette Miller-Meeks, who is a Republican in Iowa's 2nd District, representing Iowa's 2nd District. Um, and so she had made two statements earlier in July. Uh, the first one was on, was on July 14th on Fox business show, The Evening Edit. The statement was, quote, we have known for over a year that children don't transmit the virus. And she kind of went on from that to say that was her justification for saying children should be able to attend summer camps, play sports, and go back to school without masks. Then on July 17th, Miller Meeks tweeted, um, quote, elementary age students rarely die or are seriously ill and don't transmit to don't transmit the virus to adults or other children. So we're primarily checking the part about children and transmitting the virus. So when we asked um, Miller Meeks's staff for any sourcing about these statements, they sent a column that was printed in August 2020 in the Journal of the American Pediatric Association. So obviously a very credible journal, academic journal. <clears throat> and the authors of that piece are a pediatric infectious disease specialist at the University of Vermont and Ben Lee, a pediatrician at UT Southwestern Medical Center in Texas. Um, and the Vermont um, infectious disease specialist is William Razka Jr. So these doctors at that point, this was in August of 2020, they cited some of the early studies about whether children transmit coronavirus. Um, there was a study, for example, in Switzerland uh, where they had um, taken children who were diagnosed with COVID-19 and did contact tracing of 39 households in only three was a child suspected of transmitting the virus to an adult. So a very small percentage. Um, in another study, 10 children hospitalized near Wuhan in China were, and only one of those 10 cases was there a possible child to adult transmission. And there were some other similar studies done in Australia and France. So um, the, the, Opinion piece said, quote, these data all suggest that children are not significant drivers of the COVID-19 pandemic, although they acknowledge that more research was needed at that point. So, um, but the studies that are, that are in this opinion piece, that are cited in this opinion piece, um, and also the analysis of those studies, don't say that children don't transmit the virus. Um, so, but we wanted to go a little further than that. So um, I reached out to William Raska, who is one of the doctors quoted in that story. And uh, as a side note, um, Dr. Raska told me that he spent one summer when he was 12 in Cedar Rapids. So 
he had a, a special reason to call us back. But he told us um, that, quote, I never said or wrote that children don't transmit the virus. That is incorrect. That is absolutely false. Um, Raska said is, is that children usually do not get seriously ill from COVID-19. Um, and in fact, the American Academy of Pediatrics reported um, just this month that children make up 1.3% to 3.6% of total reported hospitalizations in the states that do report and 0% to 0.26% of all COVID-19 deaths. Um, so, you know, one of the things that, uh, that we've noticed throughout the pandemic is that what we know about the virus is evolving um, because it's a very new virus for, for our culture to understand. And um, so we wanted to look for some more recent information besides those studies that were quoted uh, from 2020. Um, so in looking kind of at the idea of children's transmission, there was an article earlier this month in, month in Time magazine where it reported on um, summer camps from this summer in which COVID-19 outbreaks have been reported. So there have been camps in Texas, Missouri, Ohio, and New York that have had um, COVID-19 outbreaks where they believe there was transmission from within children groups. So um, at the so at least 50, 157 cases of COVID-19 are tied to an outbreak at a camp held by Galveston Church in June for kids in grades 6 through 12. And among those infected were 30 members of campers' families who were infected after the kids got home. So, and the majority of these camp-related cases were related to the Delta variant, which is the new, more contagious strain of coronavirus. So, you know, kind of going to the conclusion for this fact check, um, you know, we, we've got the source of the article that she cited saying that she's wrong to say that children do not transmit the virus. Kids do pass the virus, and although it's at much lower rates than adults, it's been enough to speed along outbreaks at summer camps. Um, and we were, I was noting that if Mil Miller Meeks had qualified her statement even a little bit, saying children usually don't transmit the virus, you know, she would be correct, but she didn't. And, um, you know, because she uses this claim, it is this inaccurate claim as a reason for saying children don't need to wear masks in the fall. Um, it's, you know, potentially damaging because a lot of families may be listening to her, listening to her an extra amount because she's a doctor. So I had, my proposal is that we um, give her a D. Um, she does not get an F in my mind because of the part of the statement where she said elementary age students rarely die or are seriously ill. That part is true. But the rest of those two statements were false. So I, I propose giving her a D. Let's hear what you guys have to think, have to say about it. I'm glad that you were able to get in touch with the researcher. I think that that really adds kind of some crystal clear evidence there when, you know, um, Representative Miller Meeks cites this study and then the researcher says, no, that's absolutely not the case. I think that is a, I mean, relatively bulletproof piece of evidence there for this fact check. Yeah, you can't really go beyond the person who wrote the study that you cite saying what you have 
interpreted the study to say is completely wrong. Like, I, I agree. I think it's false. And um, I think you raised a really interesting point too, Aaron, that it is interesting that she is sort of playing this absolute like that, especially as a doctor. You know, science isn't really dealing with absolutes a lot of the time. Um, and especially since, you know, the emphasis is still really on getting the vaccine, right? And so hearing somebody say, especially a doctor, oh, this isn't that big of a risk kind of translates, I would think, into then me getting the vaccine isn't that important. So it's interesting to me that she would kind of take this route um, and sort of like deal with it in this way. Um, so I would agree with this statement. I think, um, I think the way you have concluded it is good. Yeah, and I mean, we're, we're right on the cusp, too, of the vaccine being, um, you know, younger children being eligible for the vaccine, um, you know, so it's even more important that people understand, like, the risk that young children pose in spreading it, um, and as well as, like, the risk to their health, um, even if it's low, like, they are still able to transmit the virus. Well, I don't know if I said um, when I was talking about the check, and you guys uh, know this, but um, Dr. Marionette Miller-Meeks is an ophthalmologist, um, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, in fact, our fact checker team has dinged her in the past for making claims that we thought were not um, completely accurate about healthcare because, um, you know, she does have this extra credibility of being a doctor. And, you know, you go on Fox News and a lot of people are listening to that and they they think, oh, here's a doctor telling me this thing. So just to kind of reiterate where that medical um, experience comes in. Right. That doctor playing political football and sort of kind of dealing with political messaging that doesn't necessarily line up with the evidence that we're seeing so far is I, I would agree with that. Um I did have one additional question, though. Um, you really kind of get at this um, when you're talking about the summer camp outbreaks. Um, you know, a lot of these cases were linked to the Delta variant. I don't know if it's worth just adding an extra line that um, this variant is much more contagious than previous variants, and then therefore conclusion could be led that kids are more likely to be able to transmit. I think some studies I've read that it's 50 to 60% more contagious than the alpha variant. Um, but I think you get at that well enough. Um, that would just be my only additional note for you. I don't think that would hurt to share any numbers we have about the Delta variants increased contagiousness. So I'll look for that. Or if you, if you had something, you could send me the link to. Yeah, let me do a little bit digging and I'll I'll send you a link that I found earlier. Okay, that's cool. Um, one of the other things, Marissa, you had noted just, you know, kids in that younger age group below 12 are still not eligible for the vaccine. And just this week, I believe the um, maybe the FDA is requiring the drug companies to get more um, human subjects, get more, um, you know, data before they can make the vaccine available to that younger age group. So now we thought it was going to be available maybe in September. Now it's looking more like midwinter, um, which means that, you know, a lot of young children are still going to be wearing masks in the fall or, or their parents may still want them to wear masks in the fall because they're not going to be vaccinated and you've got this more contagious variant out there. So it, it I think it is important for politicians and others speaking about COVID to be up on just the latest information. Well, right. And now we have this new CDC guidance out this week that even vaccinated people should be wearing a mask in certain areas just because 
you know, this is what we're learning about this virus, that there are potential for breakthrough cases too. And I think one thing to Representative Miller-Meek's credit is she has been vocal about getting the vaccine and she has been very pro-vaccine. But when you send out kind of this messaging about how, I mean, children not being able to transmit the virus, that can be detrimental to that um, thing that she's also trying to advocate for. Right. People could definitely take the wrong message from that kind of statement. Even if she's handing out the vaccine to people, you know, being told that the virus isn't a risk to you, um, then what is the point of getting the vaccine that she is so that she's pushing so hard? Yeah, I think I counted that she had like three or four tweets in July alone that referenced getting vaccinated or, you know, some sort of pro vaccine push. Um but it seems like her, more of her messages are like, get vaccinated, but no, masks aren't necessary. And it's not like those two things are mutually exclusive. You know, I mean, it's not like, I don't know. So I think we're just learning more about it. And, and some people are going to feel the desire and, and want to be more protected. So are we good with the grade of a D? Yeah, I agree. I think um, I agree with your assessment on that kind of kernel of truth being there to keep that from an F in terms of that kind of one part of kind of the three things basically that she said how there was kind of a true aspect to it. But considering that most of her messaging in both the Fox business show appearance and in the tweet is really about the um, children not transmitting the virus. I think that that kind of deserves a greater weight than the one part that is true. Yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I think John summed it up well. Yeah, I agree too. Okay, well, good deal. So I will just enhance that section, kind of talking more about the Delta variant and We'll get that ready to run in the paper on Saturday and then um, online Monday. So, you know, um, we've been talking a little bit uh, this week just about checks for next week, and several have come across the transom um, that we wanted to talk about here, just maybe to share a little bit with our listeners about how we check for potential claims and how we decide whether they meet our criteria um, Michaela, was there one that you wanted to share with the group and kind of talk about how we considered it? Yeah, sure. Um, so just looking through the Slack channel where we kind of have these discussions offline. Um, so the first one I posted was from earlier this week when uh, Liz Mathis announced that she was uh, going to be running against uh, Ashley Hinson for her house or for her house seat. Um, and, you know, uh, as these campaigns work, her opponent came out with a statement uh, shortly after Liz Mathis announced that she was going to be running, um, talking about um, how Liz has never met a tax hike she doesn't like, um, and that she voted against Iowa families and the largest tax cut in Iowa's history, um, and the fact that Liz Mathis supports lockdowns, mask mandates, and keeping our kids out of school. Uh, she even supports vaccine passports. 
So, I mean, there's a lot there that that's a huge quantity of, of just information that we could fact check and all of it is verifiable. You know, we could look at Liz Mathis's uh, voting record um, during her time at the Iowa Senate. Um, we can just kind of take a look at her public statements and, and just sort of see her stance on some of these issues. So I suggested that as a, um, you know, it's a race people are going to be watching. And I think that's also something that people would want to know sort of where these candidates stand on these kind of issues. Yeah, um, that is a good one. I think we should keep that one on the table. Um, you know, as we want to try to check uh, Democrats and Republicans equally, if we can, sometimes we are not in control of what people are saying out there. We're never in control of what people are saying. Um, but but sometimes some campaign candidates or, or politicians are more out there making statements than others. Um, but I had put another one out there um, that was a tweet. Now I'm having trouble finding it, but um, by Zach Walls, where he had talked about Republicans making it easier for, um, uh, you know, abortion uh, or making it harder for abortions, which were causing more deaths. And um, I think our sense when we were talking about that a little bit is it would be hard to approve, to, hard to verify whether there was causation there. Yeah, the numbers are one thing we could verify. I think that came out in a story in the Des Moines Register, so that would be easy. But his main claim is about that kind of Republicans are to blame for these increase. And I don't know that we could prove that. Is that accurate, what you guys are thinking? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, there are certainly abortion rights advocates who are making that connection and are sort of pointing to... Um, uh, recent legislatures and, and laws that have been signed uh, by the GOP um, around um, providers of abortion. So like Planned Parenthood, there have been a lot of actions to sort of limit their funding and, and kind of reduce their role in Iowa. So you can draw the conclusion, but I don't think the data is necessarily there to support it yet, because these are very recent laws and the effect is only in theory, really being felt now if there is an effect. So I, I would agree with that. I think that that would be really hard to verify. Yeah. Well, and I just found the tweet here. It says the Iowa GOP war on reproductive health care and sex education is increasing the number of abortions in Iowa, just like Democrats warned it would. Numbers don't lie. Iowa abortions climbed 14 percent in 2020 after jumping 25 percent in 2019. New state data show. So, again, we could confirm the state data but showing that it's because of the um, legislation, you know, and that, and that kind of thing and reduced funding of Planned Parenthood and things I think would be, would leave us um, hurting to try to try to verify that. Right. Um, so John or, or Marissa, you guys also had some claims that you brought up this week. Does either one of you guys want to share one of yours? Yeah. Let me see here if my cool, computer will cooperate here. Um, so there was a tweet from Sarah Trongariot, who is the, I'm pulling up the exact, the Iowa State Senator for State Senate District 22. So she is in Windsor Heights, Iowa. And she said, uh, linking to a Des Moines Register article, 
during the session, we could not get a straight answer or any action from the governor's office on numerous vacancies for boards and commissions. Members who are very willing to serve another term could not get the gov's office to move their reappointments forward. And that was linked to an article about how there are um, a handful of vacancies on the Iowa State Board of Health. So um, that was one that we're considering. Um, it would be a Democrat. The um, one thing is we have checked Sean Garriott a lot, and she's not someone that represents our readers being based in the Des Moines area. Yeah, I think that is a factor. You know, it'd be great if we could find more people from Eastern Iowa. Um, that's of more interest to us. Um, but I, and I guess in that one, what exactly what we would be checking would be one that there's all these that there are these vacancies. There are numerous vacancies. I don't know how easy or hard it would be. Members where she says members who are very willing to serve another term could not get the governor's office to move their reappointments forward. So we would have to find um, statements of people saying that they had tried to get reappointed but couldn't or, or something like that. Yeah, which is not an easy step there. And maybe the register's done it, but, you know, the fact checker, we don't always just want to cite from another media outlet. Um, And Marissa, was there one, I think there was one that you put out there for this for next week too, right? I don't think so, but I I don't think we've talked about another one that Michaela put out there yet with the... uh, the claims from Governor Reynolds that unvaccinated immigrants are kind of, you know, spreading COVID-19 when they cross the border. Yeah, that's yeah. a really timely one. Yeah, I was just pulling up that article to see if I could get the specific statement. Um, let's see. I mean, this is kind of set in conjunction with Iowa's national or Iowa's state troopers serving along the border Um, You know, Governor Reynolds has been talking a lot more about immigration and border issues than maybe you'd think for a governor that's not on the border in a state that's not on the border. But, um, you know, I think one of her maybe justifications was the statement she's making about um, immigrants being to blame for an increase in COVID-19 cases. Yeah, I feel like we've checked one of her statements before about the border problem as the reason why drug overdose deaths are increasing in Iowa. I know she talked about that at her latest press conference, which is what I may be mixing it up with. But I I feel like we've checked her on on these kind of statements before about what's happening on the border. Yeah, but this is And we've checked Representative Hinson, too, on border claims. So it's been a frequent conversation among Republicans in the state. But this one linking um, immigrants with COVID, the increase in COVID, I think makes it even more timely. Yeah, I agree. Um, And it looks like she makes a specific statement here about um, the fact that people who are coming over the border aren't vaccinated. um, And so that impacts Americans by creating additional restrictions on Americans um, because of these unvaccinated individuals coming over the border. There's no like specific number to quantify that, but I guess, you know, we could take a look at, um, you know, what is the vaccine rate at the border and, and individuals coming over the border, you know, 
are they being vaccinated? Are they unvaccinated? I guess that's something that that should be verifiable. Yeah, I wonder if they're being given the opportunity, even as they're like maybe waiting for an asylum hearing to get vaccinated. You know, with all of our surplus vaccine here in the United States, are we offering it to these immigrants or requiring it or? Right, right. And I imagine, I mean, case transmission, though, like that's already hard to trace in a community. I don't know if we'd be able to see. Yeah, here in Iowa, we had a surge in cases because so many people crossed the border a week ago. Um, I would feel like states like Texas and other other states on the border would feel that more than we would here. Well, and we have plenty of unvaccinated people within our own state, too. So, you know, it's not like just an immigrant problem. And in neighboring states as well. There's been a lot of talk about how bad Missouri has been. When you look at the CDC level of community transmission map, the whole state of Missouri practically is kind of bright red. So which of these claims that it sounds like we have two that are maybe um, most verifiable and maybe most timely. The one from Governor Reynolds, the one from Ashley Henson about her new opponent, um, Liz Mathis, and then the one up from Sarah Trone, Garriott. What, what are you guys leaning toward for next week? Don't all speak I mean, I, at once. I, f- I feel like the immigration one is kind of like one of the more salient issues right now. And just, you know, as I already pointed out, like kind of the double, I don't know, not double standard, but, you know, the hypocrisy of, um, you know, not of this effort to vaccinate Iowans and then, um, you know, being concerned about immigrants all the way at the southern border um, bringing COVID here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that too. Um, yeah, I think Trone Garriott's statements are are good, but yeah, I do wonder if it is something. Um, I don't know. Like, would we think that we'd want to take that up at a later time, even though she she doesn't really represent our readership? I think it's fair game. I mean, we've checked her before. Um, yeah. Maybe what we do is uh, do the Governor Reynolds um, statement for next week, just because it's so um, interesting and timely, and um, we can pick up Tron Garriott the following week. Okay. I mean, yeah, would the Tron Garriott thing almost be, I mean, this isn't like our thing to decide, but better for a news story just since it is like you know, there are some facts that are kind of left to be figured out in the claims there. Yeah, I mean, some of our fact checks, I, I feel like are a little bit like news stories. You know, I mean, we're we're introducing new information, we're talking with people. So it's probably kind of a little bit of a gray line, but um, maybe we can keep that in reserve and decide whether there's any news coverage that should happen. And uh, if not, we can pick that one up the following week. Yeah, because I do also wonder about letting too much time pass on Ashley Hinson's claims, especially since, um, you know, that, you know, Liz Mathis's candidacy was just announced this week. Um, that, that also has a timely factor in my mind. Yeah. 
Well, were you going to do the one for next week, Michaela? Maybe you should just pick. Oh, this is no pressure here. Yeah. Um, Okay. I can do Governor Reynolds on um, her statements regarding the immigrants and COVID transmission. If somebody wants to volunteer for Ashley Henson's statement the week after. I can take that one. Okay. And that might be good because um, there are there that the Hinson one had multi-part, you know, so might be good to put out the word might take a little longer. Okay. There was a lot of things to kind of verify in that two sentence statement, three sentence. Sorry, John. Yeah. That'll be my right before vacation gift from the rest of the fact checker team. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think we've got that figured out. Um, but in the meantime, you know, we can reshuffle our, our whole list if you, we get some good claims from you, our listeners. So if you hear a claim, see a claim that you think we should check, email us at factchecker at thegazette.com. That's factchecker at thegazette.com. And, um, you know, or if you want to give us any other feedback, we'd love to hear from you. So until next time, um, I will... I will tell you that our fact checker is um, edited by Craig Jamulas and our podcast is produced by Stephen Colbert. Our music that's part of the podcast is Lobby Time by Kevin McLeod. I'm Erin Jordan. I'm Michaela Ram. I'm John Steppy. I'm Marissa Payne. And we'll fact check you later.
Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.